It's the Odd Drunk Podcast, a very strange podcast, the drunkest show in the world. It's Jackson and Colton talking out of their ass. We don't care as long as drinks are poor. Sometimes we have our friends here. We will talk about anything. Anything. We don't care as long as we have beer. And if you let that whiskey ring. So, we present to you the history. A brief history of leprechauns. (laughs) The origin of the leprechauns. A brief history of leprechauns, yes. The original. Warwick Ashley Davis, born 3rd of February, 1970, is an English actor and television presenter. He played the title character in Willow, 1988, and the Leprechaun film series, 1993 through 2003. Yeah. And With several Jennifer characters Aniston. in Star Wars films, 1983 through 2019. And most notably, <laughs> <laughs> Ewok Wicket and Professor... He was Ewok. Phileas Flitwick and the Goblin Grip Hook in the <laughs> Harry Potter film series. All jokes aside, okay. happy St. Paddy's Day, everyone. We were recording this on St. Paddy's Day early in the day, right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we're we enjoying some good green paint. Star- and, oh, yeah, um, drinking our green paint. And um, <laughs> speaking of Warwick Davis, legend. And I heard the new Willow series, which may have gotten canceled, is amazing. Yeah. Um, I-, I need to check it out on Disney+. Plus. I never was a fan of Willow. <laughs> um, I've never but, seen it, but I've heard it's really good, just high fantasy. Yeah. So. Um, I've never was a big fan. And but, Warwick uh, Davis gets to play just a normal, well, a relatively normal person in this. I mean, that's cool. Because uh, <laughs> Warwick Davis is legitimately a good actor. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> didn't he even play R2-D2? Mm, no, I don't think was so. that someone else? That was someone else. Yeah. But um, uh, he, he did a show. I think it was on but HBO. he was the Ewok. And, um, yeah, he did a show. I think it was on HBO. It was like the style of show where it's like a mockumentary. Or it's supposed to. He plays himself, but it's all like like uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay, nice. it's called Life Is Short, <laughs> um, and is just plays himself as like trying to get gigs and like working with an acting company and stuff nice. like that. And he, it's really good. Like he's actually a very talented actor outside yeah. of the character stuff. Well, I mean, but speaking of the character stuff, the Leprechaun, which I've thought about. Oh, maybe maybe next year or something, but. Uh, I hate those movies. <laughs> to do a commentary on um, the Leprechaun or something, or maybe would, just I, a review on it for St. Patty's Day. I would suck it um, up and put up with it for the sake of <laughs> entertainment on the podcast. But with Jennifer Aniston in her first major film role, actually, yeah. outside of uh, Friends, or was it before Friends? No, it was during Friends. It was during I think. Friends, I think. Yeah. Um, which that was a show that existed. It was one of the shows. It was of all one time. of the shows of all time. <laughs> if you guys been listening to us for a while, hi, by the way. Um, uh, but you, we're not fans of Friends. Yeah, you know how we feel about that show. <laughs> it's just not funny. Yeah, we we're more always sunny a, fans. No. You know what I mean? It's uh, <laughs> which we have an episode on Always Sunny, and we also have another St. Patty's Day episode where we tell. Just some of our St. Patrick's Day experiences and yeah, stories. Our own stories. Our own stories. We're going to tell some stories today that are not our own. These are not our own. <laughs> we to- did not make any of these up. <laughs> today we're going to be talking about some Celtic mythology, Irish mythology, kind of lumped into one. Folk tales, heroes, yeah. monsters, 
leprechauns, of course. <laughs> you know, and then, all that and then just stuff. some regular Irish folk. I have, just, a story, <laughs> yeah. I have a story here that's just about some regular Irish folk. So um, <laughs> grab grab your Guinness because it's St. Patty's Day. If you're listening yeah. today. Uh-oh, I don't have any Guinness. Uh-oh. <laughs> grab your Guinness or whatever you have on you. Really, <laughs> really the spirit... I mean, I'm I'm going to Guinness tonight. We're gonna skip to what what you're drinking. I, I'm yeah. drinking Guinness, the classic drought style. I mean, I love Guinness. I drink it. You can never go wrong, time. Guinness. You know, and it's only four point one percent ABV, so you can drink more of them and not yep. feel bad about your liver. Only like one hundred thirty calories too. Yeah, it's less than some seltzers. Yeah, Guinness. Like, <laughs> as rich as Guinness tastes, like. There's a misconception about stouts in general that, you know, since they kind of have this deep, dark, rich taste, that they're going to be more caloric. Actually, no, because most stouts are nitro brewed. So that mm-hmm. takes away the carbon. Well, this style of stout, at least. This style, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nitro brewed. If, if you're drinking like an imperial stout or something like that. Imperial, yeah, that'd be carbonated. But, yeah. um, but like uh, Irish stouts would be nitro brewed, mm-hmm. and that takes away the carbonation, which expands your stomach, so on and so forth. It makes you feel just awful. Um, Guinness can be Guinness is extremely smooth. Yeah, it can be very and, smooth. And also, it's not made from wheat or yeast byproduct. Yeah, it's brewed from what coffee? I can't remember. Um, why am I looking at this can? This isn't even a Guinness. Something like that. Um, I'm drinking a similar style beer here. I'm drinking the Irish or the dry Irish stout from Left Hand Brewing. I believe I had that one last year. Um, or I know I think last year we had the Breckenridge. Oh yeah, the um, Breckenridge Irish stout, Irish yeah, stout. which uh, I consider getting because that was pretty good. Um, but I got this instead, and it's uh, it's also pretty good. Is it a little hoppier? Or I mean, what is the no, it makes it's, it dry. It's very similar in its profile to Guinness. Um, I like it. I have to say, Guinness has like this. Uh, Guinness has a very unique flavor to it that is. It's har- a bit of a coffee, but it, not quite. Yeah, it's not quite coffee. It's rat shit. That's what it is. <laughs> have you heard that story? I have not. Oh, about how like I don't remember when this was, but the Guinness fact- rat shit got. Yeah, so basically, like, yeah. uh, uh, the Guinness factory was, like, under a health inspection, like, um, a long time ago. <laughs> I don't remember what this was. Um, and there was just, like, a rat infestation. So they had to, like, clean that up and take care of it. And they did. Um, but then people started complaining because the beer didn't taste the same. So they figured <laughs> out what that flavor was so they could put it back into the beer. So they synthesized that flavor? Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I don't care. I so love it. So Guinness has a distinct rat shit flavor. <laughs> um, a bit on the history of Guinness. Um, originated brewery of Arthur Guinness at St. James Gate, Dublin, Ireland in 1759. Yeah, check out our beer history Which episode. It's one of the... Um, it's one of the talk about Guinness briefly in that. It's one of the longest lived breweries ever. Yeah. And to be... It's actually a big deal in the history of beer. And to be one of the biggest most popular beers of the whole world it really is for that long it's a testament it's super big in nigeria yeah we found that out yeah yeah like, they, like in nigeria <laughs> that's like their they, beer of choice they, they don't consider it an irish beer it's nigeria <laughs> yeah. like it's to that level um and yeah it's one of the most successful alcohol brands worldwide brewed in almost 50 countries and available in over 120 uh this is outdated but sales and this is extremely outdated 
Uh, sales in 2011 amounted to 850 million liters. Wow. I, I have a I have a friend who and this, this I mentioned the Nigeria thing. I have a friend who he's a works as a delivery driver for a, a beer distribution company, um, and the, or he did before, um, and he used to deliver beer to a Nigerian restaurant. I don't remember where it was. It was somewhere in Colorado, uh, towards the Denver area, and they would just go through cases and cases and cases of Guinness. Nice. Like if you go to a Nigerian <laughs> restaurant. They gonna have Guinness. Nice. Like, <laughs> well, if you're not in Ireland, and then and if you're in Africa, go to Nigeria. Yeah, I just um, we, we gotta give we gotta give some credit where credit is due. Um, Nigeria, it's so is this is kind there. of a no brainer, but ever, um, it is the best selling alcoholic drink in Ireland. Obviously, makes Guinness sense. Cohen Brewery makes almost two billion euros worth of beer annually. Hmm. I do have. As well here, if we feel like it. I don't know if I'll actually have any today. But I have a couple shooters here of some Irish whiskey, if you would like one. Uh-oh. No, maybe if it maybe if we have to take a... This is a uh, uh, um, proclamation. Yeah, so if, if we have to take a shot for a tangent point, mm-hmm. we can do this. Uh, this is proclamation blended Irish whiskey. And uh, it's... I mean, there's not a lot to say about it. It's a similar profile uh, to, like, Guinness. Or, I mean, not Guinness. <laughs> to Jameson. Oh, wow. That would go down real easy. It's a similar fl- flavor profile to Jameson, except, mm-hmm. and it's the same price range. Oh, really? Except I think it's way better. Really? I think it's a lot better than Jameson. Jameson, I every time I've had Jameson, and I usually have it around this time for yeah. St. Paddy's Day, probably we'll have some later today after we record. <laughs> um, but we'll see. It always has this, like, waxiness to it or is that just me this doesn't have that this proclamation see that's good yeah. i already like it it's extremely it. smooth <laughs> but it's the same style of irish whiskey as yeah as, uh, jameson is nice but um but yeah everyone knows about st patrick's day what it really means yeah you drink a lot <laughs> drink a lot Oh, driving nuts, snakes out of Ireland, all that. I I, I know traditionally <laughs> in Ireland, you know, it's an actual like saint's holiday. Well, yeah, it's religious. <laughs> yeah, um, but um, but we are Americans. But Ireland <laughs> it has seemed to kind of taken on a little bit more of the American way with St. Paddy's Day, just yeah. partying. Well, you know? I think uh, I mean a lot of Europeans, especially, get really annoyed with Americans when they're like, "Oh, I'm." I'm part German, <laughs> and I I totally get why people why Europeans get annoyed with that because I'm not I do have German blood but I'm not German no I'm American, American yeah. yeah yeah um I think and I'm part Irish but I'm not Irish but there are some exceptions I think uh, I think not Irish American I think out of any kind of European heritage um, unless you actually are an immigrant. Well, yeah, um, of course. At least when, within a few generations. Or if you're a parent, yeah, a few yeah. generations, then, um, then you could consider yourself. Uh, so, obviously, there people who actually are immigrants are more than justified to celebrate their no, exactly. culture. Um, I feel like Americans are very justified in celebrating Irish culture because, I mean, Ireland, more than any other European country, has the most number of um, people that are descended from Irish heritage um, living in America. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's something like 
six hundred percent. Like, like America, there are more. There are about six hundred percent, like times more Americans who are have Irish heritage than there actually are people living in Ireland. Like when the potato famine happened in the eighteen forties, about a million Irish people immigrated died, to- and about two million immigrated to the United States. Ireland has still... they were treated still, like shite. Yeah. And <laughs> Ireland still, as of At today, that time, we preferred the German immigrants over Irish immigrants. Yeah. Um, but Ireland still, as of today, has not recovered their population from that. No, that was devastating. Like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I feel... I, I, I do feel like, uh, not to take anything away from um, actual Irish People living in Ireland, obviously, they have first right to Irish culture. But yeah. I, I feel like Americans are justified in getting excited about Irish culture. Well, yeah, and then um, you see the videos of, uh, you know, the Irish flipping over cars in Dublin on St. Paddy's Day. It's like, yeah, they take it pretty yeah. seriously, too. They've caught on to uh, <laughs> flipping uh, yeah. over and burning cars. Now, um, I'm not talking about the IRA. Let's not get into that. We're not going to get into Please. that. Please. That's, that's, Thank um, you very much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> But that is where the Irish car bomb drink got its name. It's very offensive. So. But nobody seems to care. No. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, you uh, 2 Sunday Bloody Sunday. Listen to it. I love you 2 by the way. Yeah. Great, great Irish band. Yeah. Um, yeah great, great, great I band. forgive them over giving everybody that free album yeah. on Apple. They were just trying to do a good thing. They're just trying yeah. to give it a free album. It's it's not their fault. But what, well, it's a little bit their fault. Listen that the to album Josh, sucked. Listen, <laughs> listen to Joshua Tree and shut the fuck up. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> just... You don't have to I, listen I, to the, the, the... Anything post uh, How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, that's like 2005. Anything post Yeah, that, you don't have to just, listen to that. You don't have to worry about it. Um... <laughs> But um, I love you too. I saw a video today. It was Liam Neeson, and he's going to say St. Patrick's Day. So he's like another famous. Irish he's man. like, I want to raise awareness to uh, how Americans butcher Irish people's name. And he was just going through Irish celebrities, just like butchering their name. Like call it like Bono. It was like he's like he's like <laughs> Bonobo. Bonobo. <laughs> uh, Colin Farrell. He's like he's like Colin Farrick. <laughs> uh, I really. I, it was he's nominated. like even, he's like even even myself, Leslie Nelson. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> I really want to see, and I get, okay. So we have a new segment on the podcast that we do every once in a while. Um, our one bit. Of, well, we started doing. Yeah, not every once in a while. We we try to do it. This way, we can get our tangents out, right? Yeah. Um. So, obviously, unless you've been living under a rock, like Patrick, um, <laughs> Patrick Starr, famous Irishman, <laughs> um, then you would realize that the Academy Award just happened. Yeah. yeah. And I'm very happy with the results, actually. Um, Brendan Fraser. Best Brendan actor. Fraser won for The Whale, which Fucking I haven't seen because it bad. looks really depressing, but I heard it's really Michelle good. Michelle Yao. She's awesome. Michelle Yeoh, yeah. Yo, yeah, um, yo, yeah. From know. yeah, everything um, all at once. That obviously if yeah. that has the guy who played short round and I don't remember his name. Kenyon Quinn. But he's Hugh Quinn. Yeah, I think. But he's also making a comeback and it's awesome. Well, it's just for, this this Academy Awards is special because and he hugged Harrison um, Ford on stage. It's a lot of, yeah. Which was fun. Which bring him back for the new Indiana Jones. Why not? Have sh- adult short round do all the fighting for Indiana Jones. Yeah. 
Ksenia Jones, I hate to break it to you, you're 80. Yeah. <laughs> but Harrison Ford doesn't want to admit that or live with it. Yeah. He's still crashing his airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> but and surviving. Uh, Harrison Ford, I love you. And credit to him. He is surviving. He is. crashes on a sun- seemingly regular basis. Well, I heard, like, even after he, like, on certain days, he was done shooting the new Indiana Jones film, Dial of Destiny, which we'll definitely cover <laughs> when it comes out. Um, he would go out cycling. He would like go out cycling for ten miles afterwards. Like he's still in really good, good for shape him. and yeah. condition for his age. Like it's crazy. Yeah. But then he broke his arm, and they told him, "Hey, we're gonna get a stunt guy." Okay. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Um, like, dude, you're eighty. You don't have to do the stunts. But it's anyways, okay. <laughs> uh, going back to the Oscars. Uh. So yeah, everything all at once won best picture, best director. Best uh, leading actor with uh, Michelle Yeoh. Mm-hmm. Amazing. 62 years old, finally got her first Oscar win. She's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you a... seen that movie? I haven't seen that movie, but oh, like. Oh, man. I've it's seen so her good. in a ton of other stuff, and she's always fantastic. And Jamie Lee Curtis got yeah. her f- first Oscar for um, best supporting uh, role role as an actress mm-hmm. and everything all at once. And um, even her mom, Janet Lee. Didn't win an Oscar. Who's wow. one of the f- most famous actors of the 50s and 60s, which is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, she's kind of a big and, deal. And like, during her speech, she was like, this is to my parents who never won an Oscar. We did it. Yeah. We, we got one. And, you know, some people say, oh, maybe the Academy is just like when actors get older, they're like, hey, we'll just give you one because you are important to the industry and whatever. I'm sure but, that sometimes does happen. But That might be part of the case, but, but that movie was amazing i've only seen it once i need to see it again but it's just and it's kind of a it's a comedy really i mean and and that's really great that it won yeah i was really touched that brendan fraser he got a standing ovation yeah and brendan fraser he um he didn't didn't get the most uh i will say his his speech was not the most well articulated it was kind of awkward. Well, his emotions. I mean, uh, but, um, but. <laughs> Brendan, Brendan Fraser, I mean, we know him from The Mummy, Georgia the Jungle. Uh, he was in Sino Man, you know. A lot yeah. of, not necessarily what you would think of, like, Academy Award winning roles, but he gave his all. Yeah. Like, and one of the reasons um, he kind of fell off the wagon, and it's so fucked, but, like, he fell off the wagon, gained weight and everything, because he did all the stunts that he could do in the mummy movies. And he ended up getting really bad back injuries. More than just back injuries. A lot of, a he, lot of his things. body is broken. He it's also literally, broken. he also literally died. You know, really? The scene in the, in the first mummy movie where he hangs in the prison. Oh yeah. They had to resuscitate him. They had him. to resuscitate him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he gave his all and you know, Hollywood just kind of, I don't know all the details, but like, I know he was in, he was in the first journey of center earth movie. Mm-hmm. I watch as a kid. It's fine. It's cool. Brendan Fraser's in it. The guy from Hunger Games is he in it. He did quite a few, like, okay movies that... But, but like, then... Inkheart was just okay, but I heard him, so it was fun. Like, I heard he didn't even give notice that The Rock... Like, basically, he signed a contract, from what I've heard, to be in the next Journey Center movie. Mm-hmm. And they were like, nah, we got The Rock. Ah, oh, damn. And... And yeah, I heard the whale's amazing, but it looks really sad. He, he also another kind of reason movie. he he 
quit acting was also because there was there was just a lot. Of, I mean, it has to do with that. There was just so much abuse going on. As yeah, it's kind of been, it's been in the news the last few years a lot where all this really terrible stuff that goes on in in Hollywood. Um, and he just couldn't stand it, so he left. Yeah, he, uh, but it's nice that he's got some recognition. I mean, um, he deserves it, and it's really cool. Yeah. Um, but this is <laughs> going to the whole reason I mentioned this. Uh, one of the movies that was nominated, I think for Best Foreign Film, or it might have been for Greatest Picture, uh, Banshees of Inshrin, yeah. with Colin Farrell and Mates. I forget who else is in it. Mates. <laughs> uh, I think Barry Keoghan's in it, because he's also Irish. Uh, but it's an <laughs> Irish movie, made in Ireland. Nice. And it's about some mates, from what I hear. <laughs> uh, but I heard it's really good. Is this, is this the movie where it's just the two guys who just don't like each other and everyone's like, that's not very good manners? <laughs> Basically. I saw the trailer I for think that. So. Yeah. But it was nominated and I, I want to check it out. And Colin Farrell, by the way, legend. I, I love everything I really he's like in. Him. I even loved him as Weird Bullseye with the tattooed bullseye. He's been in some head. less than good movies, <laughs> but he always but, gives uh, it his all. Uh, like in his transformation as a penguin, and obviously most of that goes to the makeup artist, but yeah. his, you would not think that's Colin Farrell. Not just because of oh, makeup, yeah. but his voice, his attitude, everything. I mean, I mean, there's some, and they're, we're getting a penguin series oh, with him fuck, yeah, that's awesome. in that universe, yeah. which is great. But, um, I really like Colin Farrell. He yeah. I wanted to mention that. Actor. I need to check that movie out. Um, I mean, he did some, he did some really good movie in Burgess. Yeah. yeah, or Bruges. Bruges. In I Bruges, I think. I, I think I that's believe, how you pronounce yeah. it. Um, that's a really good one. Um, yeah. He's just, he's just a really talented actor who just, he doesn't have the best reputation because he sometimes doesn't choose, or he just, he's well, sometimes, I think, he's sometimes in movies that are, the movies themselves end up not being very good. I think he's one of those actors that if he's interested in something, or if he needs a paycheck, he'll just do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, like for, like Nick Cage, for instance, he's yeah. in, amazing movies yep. but he's also in some awful awful movies, movies but you only watch it because he's in it yeah but, um, but but like raising arizona is probably my favorite coen brothers movie now that's a really good movie <laughs> like legit and I'm, nick cage is amazing in it yeah. um colin farrell though was that like, the original yeah, coen brothers movie or the second one they did i don't recall um, or was that was that the first and then um the big lebowski i don't recall um I mix up the timeline. Because it came out like in the late 80s, I think, Raising Arizona. Yeah, so I think that would be the, the before I think Lebowski. So. Lebowski. Yeah, it was definitely before Lebowski. Lebowski yeah. was in the early 90s. Yeah, 90s, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Fargo. And then A Brother um, Where Art Thou, which is yeah. still probably my favorite Coen Brothers movie. I love A Brother Where Art Thou. <laughs> I, think people, I think people forget about Fargo a lot. It's really, oh, yeah. Really good. Um, well, they have a whole show based off of it now. Yeah, it's a really good show too. I've watched. Uh, I saw the first two seasons of it, um, and it's one of those shows where every single season is just its own thing. Um, um, but this one bit of news segment. Do you have anything? Um, no, I don't think so. This one bit of news segment is only supposed to go for a little bit. Well, we. Uh, I know you're looking at the clock there. We started recording 20 minutes into that. Oh, true, true, true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we sat here recording. However, uh, talking with the. I think for, about I think for the spirit of St. Patty's Day. Oh, there's some weird artifacts. But Ooh. for the spirit of St. Pat- Patty's Day, and since we've go- gone so long without actually getting into the topic. I see where you're going with this. 
Well, <laughs> there's a couple options. We haven't had to take a shot for tangent points in a while now. We haven't. We've been no. good about it. Yeah. I think it's because of this new segment we've been doing. Yeah. We've been getting stuff out Which of our system. Which I think this... Hmm. I think um, <laughs> we should still stick to the same system. So basically, once we get into the topic, if you get three tangent points, you have to take a shot. Or you mm-hmm. can veto it. You can take it. Start next episode, right? Yeah. It's St. Patty's Day. Sorry about that. There's some uh, some noise going on in the some whining here. issues. You probably don't hear. It. It's probably your headphones. I don't know. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I would say at least that counts as one tangent point. Yeah. Unless you just want to take a shot. I think we should take. I think we should just take a shot. Okay, we're gonna take a shot. But, but I think this can this can mean that if we get to it, we don't have to. We don't have to. Do that. Yeah, that we're just preemptively taking a shot. Um, so this is the Proclamation Irish whiskey. You've never had it before. Um, nope. I think you'll enjoy it. I think it's it's quite nice. Um, it's very smooth. Product of Ireland. So. Um, yeah, I mean, and it gets if you go on their website, they'll say it gets its name Proclamation based off the nineteen. Uh, I think it's the nineteen sixteen. Uh, proclamation and Irish independence. That's the, what they've dedicated the whiskey to. Um, and it is made in Ireland, uh, uh, aged in American oak casks, if I recall. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's very good. So cheers. Good soup. Good soup. Let's do it. What do you think? I'm sizing it up. It's sizing me up. <laughs> actually, really smooth, actually. Like, Super seriously. smooth stuff. <laughs> when people come into the store... If I would have taken a shot of Jameson like that, you you would hear me coughing on air yeah. right now. I'd be like, <laughs> when, when people yeah. come into the liquor store I work at... Really they, smooth. And they go to buy Jameson. That's awesome. I mean... Uh, the other day, someone came in. And they were they, he stood Jeez. in front of the Irish whiskeys for like twenty minutes, and finally just grabbed some Jameson. And he was like, Man, "Which is probably what I would do." Yeah, and then he made the off comment to me. He's like, "He's like, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm browsing, but I still end up going to Jameson." And I was like, "Have you tried Proclamation though?" And he's like, "No, what's that?" And I'm like, "Let me show you because it's the same price as Jameson, <laughs> and it's way better." Is there any bars around here that serve that? Um, possibly. The only places I could think of that might would be like El Moro because they just have a, such a big selection. Yeah. But I'm not even sure that they do because. Either um, way, we would recommend a proclamation if yeah. you want a smoother Irish whiskey. I, I had never heard of it before working at the liquor store I work at because we carry it. Um, nice. In the shooters and in the 750 bottles. Um, and it's just, it's super smooth. Really is. And very I, tasty. I feel warm and. and, and it's inviting. It feels it's inviting. Like, yeah, feels yeah, like yeah. you should be sitting in front of a fireplace. I feel like I should be in a, uh, a dimly lit um, homestead in um, Ireland. Yeah, brick walls, kind of like the Shire, in front yeah. of a fireplace, <laughs> um, reading The Hobbit. Yep, that's what it makes me feel like. It just it really does. <laughs> it invokes that feeling. But it um, also makes me feel like if I had a little bit more, I would want to flip a car. <laughs> so it's a perfect. So Irish two polar whiskey. opposites. <laughs> <laughs> Chilling, listening to Irish music, reading The Hobbit, or flipping a car. Yeah, you choose. Up to you. It's your choice. Depends on how your day's been. Um, but uh, drink responsibly, of 
course. We're but. gonna take a <laughs> we're gonna take a quick intermission and then we will get to that the actual topic. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. We're back. We're back. Let's get into this. Um, by the way, if you feel like you want one of these, go for it. But uh, thank you. And if you feel like you want one of these, I might. You can go for it. I know there will be. I I I I don't know if you knew this about me, Jackson, but um, you know I. I took an elective at Fort Lewis in um, divination, <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I think I'm seeing something in our future. Uh, I'm seeing more Guinness in our future. I would say so. <laughs> Today, uh, <laughs> we are just getting this day started. <laughs> but anyway, we're talking about. We thought it'd be fun since last year we talked about just St. Patty's Day and our own experiences. We thought we'd talk about. Irish culture, folk tales, folk- mythology. Yeah, so et cetera. And taking an approach rather than so we're going to do a little bit of this. We a lot of people including us have a tendency when we talk about mythology to focus on the lore. No. Nah. And that's fun and uh, and we'll do a little bit of that. Oh yeah. And no, that's I, always fun, but yeah. we thought, I mean, mythology is built off of folklore and stories. Mhm. So we thought let's share some stories. Yeah, it's story time here. Uh, but uh, so a common thing, this is one of the main things, whoops-a-daisies, uh, <laughs> that everyone knows of on St. Patty's Day. You have to wear green. Yeah. Wear green or a pinch you, which yeah. don't pinch people. We are both wearing green. There's people yeah. out there that either don't care or don't celebrate it don't pinch people okay don't, don't pinch people that, I, I will not, i will slap you yeah colton yeah. will find you <laughs> and slap if you through the yeah, ether if you pinch anyone <laughs> you know the mandela catalog the intruder colton will pop out of your tv and slap you to slap you <laughs> yeah turn or turn to your friend and you're like you're not wearing green <laughs> pinch and then but he won't and run. then a hand comes out of your 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 <laughs> Your podcast app and just slaps you. Yeah, it comes out of your phone or your headphones and slaps you. <laughs> like, stop it. But he won't make you an alternate or whatever. No, no. I'm just going to slap you. <laughs> just going to slap you. Pretty good. But um, <laughs> so according to folklore, you get pinched on St. Patty's Day, St. Patrick's Day for not wearing green because green makes you invisible to leprechauns. Oh. Which I never knew. Because leprechauns like to pinch people because they can because <laughs> they're, tri- they're little tricksters. Yeah, they're little tricksters. They're, they're fae. They're fa- and Celtic mythology and Gaelic and Irish, all that, you know, kind of blurs together sometimes. I, I saw... I There's mean, a I, lot of fae, a lot I of saw fairies, a, vi- a lot very, of tricksters. I saw a very interesting video um, recently. Um, and if I can find the video again, I'll, I'll link it in the description, but I, I don't know. No guarantees I'll actually find it again. But it was asking them this question... Why is Celtic mythology and Irish mythology not as popular in the pop in pop culture as like Greek or Norse? Honestly, I have an answer. All right, I'm I think a, I think if yours. God of War did it, it would be. That's that's a good point. Uh, <laughs> Which there's but, hints of that. Well, yeah. th- this person's their their theory was that so you look at these other mythologies, Norse and uh, and Greek and Roman. Um, they're so much more organized and methodical Egyptian. and logical in how they work um, versus not always logical, of course. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
if you know anything about Norse mythology. <laughs> or Greek mythology, for instance. Yeah. But Celtic mythology is not like that, and Irish mythology is not like that. It's a lot of things are really vague. We don't know a lot about some of it. Like the, Fem- well, like the Fomorians, who are in, throughout Celtic mythology and Irish mythology, they're the big bad guys. We know nothing about them, really. No. They're just like it's... this bad presence. And also, there's a lot of stuff like, how does magic work in Irish mythology? <laughs> it, it's what it just does like there's a story <laughs> of a works. guy uh it's part of the origin story of ireland um and he he comes across with the, the leader who i don't remember her name i'm I, I don't remember all these names um and he's so stressed out by being uh part of this group that he just jumps into the lake and becomes a salmon <laughs> and that's that you know there there's throughout irish mythology there's just a lot of like magic is used so casually and it's not explained and that i think and this this theory is that basically that is the lack of explanation for these things deters people from adapting it into like fictional stories and stuff like that like they do with norse and greek mythology so it doesn't make its way into pop culture right um and, and that combined with just like irish mythology also generally it's not as black and white in a lot of places as like some other mythologies are. There's a lot like the Fae are not malevolent. No, but they can be, they can be, (laughs) they're not good, but they can be. Yeah. When they feel like it. Yeah. You know, and, and that it just, and, and these types of things, this gray area, this lack of explanation of things, a green area. Um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, just deters people, writers of fiction from adapting Celtic mythology into stories. You know, you, in Greek mythology, you have, you have uh, Disney's Hercules. You have the Percy Jackson novels. You have these, all these, in Norse I think mythology, the greatest, you have Marvel. You have these things that the, are adapted into... I think the best example of Celtic mythology being at least adapted and um, you utilized is probably in Tolkien. Yeah. Lord of the Rings. Really? Hobbit. That, that, um... Uh, Andres Sokolsky. And obviously of, he takes a lot the, from Norse mythology. Takes... Um, of the the Witcher. Um, mm-hmm. he adapted some, not, it's not purely Celtic. There's no. a lot of, there's a lot of Scandinavian and Easter and Slavic folklore yeah, in there too. Stuff, yeah. Um, but there is some Celtic folklore in there too. Yeah. Cause, um, cause the Celts have some close connections to like Slavic, um, cultures and stuff too. Mm-hmm. There's, there's some connections there. Also, uh, Spanish. It's a culture. Some of the Celts were down there. Uh, it's it's weird how people migrated through Europe. Um, yeah, I took one anthropology class. I think with you. Well, I, well, we I, also between like the, I don't understand it. Totally. All the most popular mythologies: Greek, Norse, Roman, Egyptian. Celtic is probably the less lesser known. We know less about it. Yeah, and I I think uh, I mean. Maybe that is what deters people from adapting it into pop culture because it's less lore based. It's more story, story based. Story based. A lot of folklore. But at the same time, I think that what's that is what makes it so much fun. I enjoy reading these. I enjoyed reading some of these stories that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, they're just fun. I have one in particular. It's not about any creatures or anything. It's just a folklore tale. That was just very entertaining to read. It's not very long. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's just 
that's a fun aspect of it. It's just this this kind of weird, unexplained uh, magicalness. It's just it is it. what it is. It doesn't yeah. need lore. It just yeah. it needs stories. Yeah, and, be, and, and, stories. and fairies and stuff like that are super popular in pop oh, culture. Oh yeah, and that comes from Celtic mythology. Oh yeah, the fae. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the the idea. Uh, I mean, there are some movies off the top. Well, of my the head. leprechaun. That's a type of fae being. Yeah. You know? Or there are there are movies that have adapted these ideas. Uh, off the top of my head, one I watched recently, which I it was uh, my girlfriend put it on because she likes this movie, and it was just this movie I saw as a kid that um, kind of I had hidden back in the cobwebs of my mind, the Spiderwick Chronicles. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> wow! Um, <laughs> but that totally adapts. Isn't, um, it, but that totally adapts this idea of like a the August Rush kid is he yeah, in it? He is yeah. in it. Yeah. Um, and he's in. He's, he's the good a, doctor. He's the good doctor. Great um, doctor. Yeah. I would recommend. <laughs> um, I'm not <laughs> watching. My that girlfriend show, watches it. I'm not watching it. Uh, uh, my girlfriend watches Bates it. Bates Motel, which I've watched. Yeah. Norman Bates. He does look a lot like the actor who played Norman Bates. Yeah, we had a friend that looks like him, too. Mm-hmm. Gibson, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he but, listens occasionally, from what nice, I understand. Nice, nice. I don't know if he has been recently, but. Uh, yeah, whenever we see a. What, he is Michigan, aware of, Michigan downloads, we know. Yeah, maybe it's Gibson, you know. Um, or was it Wisconsin? I don't remember. Some, it's all the same. Gibson. If you're listening, I'm sorry. I don't remember exactly <laughs> where you live these days. Uh, uh, no, but um, you know they did but, a new but, you know, that, that '70s show thing, that '90s show. I did know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's not get on too many tangents. Hello, here. Wisconsin. <laughs> um, no, but like it's the Spiderwick Chronicles right. adapts this idea of like a hidden Fey world. Yeah, I, I that watched comes it from once. like Irish mythology. Is that different than the Bridge of the Terabithia? Yeah, yeah, that is different. It's different. Yeah, that's another one in the back <laughs> of my head that uh, I've not watched recently, but it popped up on my like. That's my... like a Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, ripoff. I thought Spider Man right? Chronicles was a little bit more original. Yeah, um, it's not bad. It has Seth Rogen in it. I remember going he to play. Book... He plays a little goblin person. He's a goblin. Yeah, there's a little goblin person that's voiced by Seth Rogen. Wow. And I remember watch I watched it recently with my girlfriend because she put it on and I was like, Holy shit, that's Seth Rogan. And she was like, Is it? And I'm like, I mean, you can't not notice Seth Rogan's voice. You just can't not notice him. Yeah. He's you hear Seth he's Rogan's a, voice. He's very you, you know it's Seth Rogan. He's a noticeable man. Yeah, yeah, there's a few actors like that where you always I was watching Percy Jackson and you know the, what? the Sea of Monsters, which is the not very good Percy Seth Jackson Rogen. movie. And, and Ron Perlman is in, is in that. Nice. You and know he, him. Yeah. He plays a big Cyclops, and I just recognize his voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seth Rogen is also producing or directing the I, new Ninja Turtles movie. I saw a trailer. It looks, looks fun. Looks really good. I'm going to see it's it. A, um, it's a lighthearted take on Ninja Turtles. Well, I like that the... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're are actually like young teenagers. They're like actually 14, teens, 13, yeah. you know, and yeah. played by teens. Yeah, and they did, and they didn't do the thing that Michael Bay did, where they felt the need to like, you can't tell the difference Let's... between them unless you oh, give them God. weird goggles and stuff. I hate, I absolutely hate what Michael Bay did to the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Took away all the fun. Yeah. Took away all the. Goofiness. And it's like, I'm not a fan. Let's of, make these big monstrosities. Yeah, I'm not it's a like, fan no. of the Transformers movies, but at least they have impressive like visuals and stuff. The and TMNT movie was sound. was just like it didn't even have that. 
I mean, was... Megan Fox was all right. Uh, April O'Neil, I guess. But yeah, um, yeah. I've been getting more into Ninja Turtles lately. Yeah, and they're green. So this, <laughs> shut up. St. Patty's Day. Anyway, they're green. But <laughs> Irish. But no, no, no. The Ninja Turtles. No, the Ninja Turtles. Um, <laughs> A um, hidden Fey world. We, we have it. Yeah, the sewers. Uh, sewers <laughs> and uh, green. <laughs> I think the the Fae are going to get upset with me with comparing their world to the sewers. The sewers of New York in the eighties, if anything. I mean, the, the the sewers of New York in the eighties were essentially a different world. Um, if, if pop culture has taught me anything, yeah, New York was a different world in the eighties. New York's a weird ass city, like yeah. uh, in a good way. It's New York, baby. It's New York. That counts as a tangent point, by the way. Yeah, but we already took a shot. Well, it still counts. Still counts. It still counts. Anyways, um, just to give us a basis. So um, the most popular Irish myth or uh, creature is obviously the leprechaun. Yeah. I've had the Leprechaun movies, Warwick Davis, Leprechaun Goes Space, Leprechaun in the Hood. I remember when I was a kid uh, in elementary school. Leprechaun versus Jason. I don't know what they're doing now. I remember in elementary but, school, they made us do a Leprechaun hunt every year. Stop it. There's some weird audio shit going on. Probably need new mic cords, honestly. Maybe. I hope it's the mic cords. <laughs> we don't have, like, um, a producer of this. We do this ourselves. We are the producers. <laughs> we are. Yes. Like Nathan, and that's empowering. Like Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought about those two people in a long time. Wasn't Matthew Broderick? He was Ferris Bueller. Right? Yeah, and yeah. Simba. He was Simba. Yeah, and the guy in The Producers. <laughs> was he the guy... Was he the guy in the 2012? No, that was someone else. 2012. With no. Jason Schwartzman. No. No. No, <laughs> no I don't remember. It wasn't Matthew Broderick, though. He another 80s guy. Matthew Broderick was in Godzilla, though, wasn't he? Yeah, the bad the one. Bad, the bad <laughs> the one. The really bad yeah. one. <laughs> um, the one that the Godzilla cartoon felt the need to shit on. And somehow did it better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's the whole thing. Uh, anyways, Leprechauns. <laughs> <laughs> not Godzilla or Matthew Broderick. Get out of here. We're not talking about you. Danny DeVito. Yes. He's practically a leprechaun. Yeah, practically. If the leprechaun quit being a fae and became an actor. It was just horrible. <laughs> no, I love Danny DeVito. I, I recently um uh, listened. The Weekly Planet do, did an episode on Batman Returns. Mm. And um, they basically said. I haven't listened to it, but Danny I DeVito's out, yeah. Penguin. Is great, but he's also one of the grossest characters put the film. Yeah. And he's basically just Frank. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. 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 Just even grosser Frank. <laughs> Anyways, leprechauns. You know him. Lucky Charms. We love him. Yeah. All that. The triumph that gets me lucky. My lucky so this charms. is from... Um, I'm going to have one of these guys. Great website name, by the way. Trafalgar. <laughs> It sounds like a D&D uh, character or an enemy, like an ogre or something. Trafalgar, the relentless. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But from the website, uh, Trafalgar. Origin of Leprechauns. A Leprechaun story has been, and this is by Chesley Foltz, but uh, the Leprechaun story has been a beloved aspect of Irish lore. They're believed to be part of another piece of famous folklore as they are traditionally known as members of the fairy 
The Fae. Mm-hmm. The family. Or just them. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Tales of these small creatures first emerged all the way back in the 8th century. Wow. When legends about tiny water dwellers began circulating among the Celts. It's interesting that in Celtic mythology across the British Isles and into Norway... Uh, there's a lot of like water spirits and demons and things. Well, it makes like sense. That. A lot of coastal areas. Yeah, a lot of the greater cities and towns at that time. I had to be, prevent myself because my family, be along the coast. My family has Scottish heritage, um, mm-hmm. just as much as we are Irish, uh, and I had to prevent myself from getting too much into Scottish folklore. <laughs> That's another. Even though I do have, I do have one thing that day. is from Scottish folklore, but it's still Celtic. It's uh, yeah. I kind of justified it as being um, uh, related. Hey, we don't want to start a feud between the Irish and the Scots, though. Hey, at least we're not covering English folklore. True. That would you that that'll <laughs> unite all the Scots and Irish. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's like in, uh, in the movie Braveheart when the when the <laughs> Irish soldiers are who are being. Fort conscripted by the English are like marching against. They never betrayed Scots. the Scots. No, yeah, because, that was made up in the movie. Well, it's it's no, no, they they didn't betray him in the they movie. They didn't show up to one of the greater battles that William Wallace was in. Yes, no, but they no. didn't betray the Scots. No, you're thinking you're thinking of uh, William the Bruce or Robert the Bruce, who betrayed William Wallace, which uh, he the, really I, didn't. No, no, he was a he's the he fu- didn't. He's a fucking Scottish hero. Yeah, was, Robert he, the Bruce. Watch him. Um, what is it called? Uh, Old King or the one with uh, what's Chris his name? Pine? Chris Pine, yeah, amazing movie, fantastic. I don't way know more accurate called, than but... Braveheart. I still love Braveheart, but way more accurate. Oh, Braveheart is terrible because as far Braveheart as portrayed but... Robert Bruce as a villain, as yeah, a traitor. No, he's no. a Scottish hero. Yeah, he what was the, the fuck? He was the king of Scotland. He he launched a <laughs> yeah, military campaign he w- where he, he was took, the first king of Scotland. He launched a military p- campaign against the English and got as far down as York. He fucked them. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. he was badass. Uh, no, but uh, there's a scene in Braveheart where the, the they have the Irish conscripts, which was a real thing. You know, yeah. the English, you know, making them do that, and they they're marching against the Scottish, and they all charging, and then they stop. And then start hugging each other and like, oh, we got you. Yeah. <laughs> we had you for a moment there. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically the relationship yeah. between the Irish. And then and they all turn and fight the English. Between the Irish and the Scots. They, yeah. they have their disagreements and whatever. But as long but... as <laughs> as long as they're fucking the English. <laughs> yeah. They'll turn against them. On a heartbeat. You know, seriously. Um, but the leprechauns. So... <laughs> Okay, we got we got to calm down. This is this, that, is, that, this is difficult. That 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 shot's working on us. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so the name is thought to come from the word lycopon, meaning I don't know if I'm. Pronouncing We're gonna it right. butcher yeah, a I'm lot sorry. of stuff here. Meaning small body. No surprise there is they are said to be only two to three feet tall. Where do these little folk live? In order to hide from humans, they are known to dwell in tiny underground caves or hollow tree trunks. Token. Yep. (laughs) Whoa. They are famous for being the cobblers of the fairy world. Mm, Think um, Keebler cookies. Yeah, I didn't know that. Cobblers. Yeah. Well, they have nice shoes. They do. Leprechauns do always have nice shoes. Um, And their name is also associated with the old term, Leaf Brogan. Meaning shoemaker. This profession is what earns their iconic pots of gold. Mm. While we think these creatures... 
Well, we think these creatures as imaginary. They are so far. I, I have seen YouTube videos where it's like, oh, leprechaun sighting or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's mythology. Yeah. Do you remember the? Do you remember from when was it? Like 2013, 2014, where was the leprechaun sighting? And it was just the, on the news as the meme, the drawing. What was it? I'm going to pull this up. Keep pull it up. Anyways, continue. I'll keep going. Um, so belief in them and other closely related fairies was actually widespread throughout Ireland. This is one of the reasons that this icon is now so ingrained into Irish culture, even today. Over the... <laughs> that's a great, that's a great sketch. <laughs> that reminds me of that police, the other police sketch meme. Uh, but anyways. Uh, Follow our Instagram. Yeah, well. We have pictures share, on there. Share me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I can <laughs> so over the years, history of leprechauns has become associated with everything green. And they are now often depicted as old men dressed in a hat and suit of this color. However. Leprechauns originally wore dun 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 red. Ooh, like communists. <laughs> yeah, way before that was even a concept. Leprechauns, the yes. original communists. <laughs> yeah, they wore red. Next time I see someone wearing like a, a <laughs> you know, every once in a while I meet like punks who have like, you know, communist stuff on their vests. Like you wouldn't want to be a, um, I, dude. There was a which which is not the, too bad. It's I'm, better. It's better than Nazi punks. No, definitely. But but, but like, I still don't improve. I'm not gonna name any names. But there was this girl in my philosophy class that proclaimed that said I'm a communist, and I'm like, hmm, interesting. You bought an iPhone that was made practically with slave labor in China. <laughs> But you're a communist. Okay, great. Yeah, next time I see someone with any communist <laughs> apparel, um, I'm not like anti-communist. No, but I, I mean, I think a lot. I, get of, I think it. a lot of the people who like wear that like stuff don't get like the actual economics of it. No. Um, and it's so like, next time I see someone wearing that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna point out their patch and be like, ah, like a leprechaun. Well, it's like, <laughs> well, it's like <laughs> you like your PlayStation, you like your iPad. Well, if you were communist, you probably wouldn't have that. More than likely, likely, you would be waiting in line for bread every day. That's a tangent point, by the way. That is a that's another tangent point. <laughs> a, rant about, a, a, a short point, rant yeah. about communism um, is a tangent point. Now, more. I don't want to get political. Yeah, let's not leave it there. Let's leave it there. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, over time, the leprechauns have evolved into the green wearing guys we have come to know and love today. Many theorize this is due to the general popularity of the color green throughout Ireland. This in part because of the prominence of the Irish flag. Yes. Yeah, green, makes, white, and orange. Makes sense. And if you wear orange to a Flogging Molly concert, you're probably going to get beat up. No. No? No. I was at a Flogging Molly concert once. Northern and, Ireland. And there was a guy in the crowd, and he was holding a Northern Ireland scarf up above his head. And Dave King... Lead singer stops in between the songs and he points to the guy and goes, Northern Ireland. Okay, maybe they'll do and it at a dropkick Murphy's concert. Maybe, then you'll get beat up. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he stops and goes, Northern Ireland, we love it. Show all, show love to all of our Irish brothers. Yeah, if you're from Northern Ireland, yeah, wear your orange today. Do it. Do it. <laughs> but anyways, um, this in part is because of prominence in the Irish flag. Widely's used name, the Emerald Isle, another name for Ireland. Yep. 
Whatever the reason, green has become synonymous with leprechauns and St. Patrick's Day alike. Legend also says that there's no female leprechauns and that their seemingly impossible origins only add to their magical and mysterious qualities. Mm. No females. So the pot of gold. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm curious about that. Where does where... One key component of the leprechaun story is their famous pot of gold. They are known to possess and hoard their prize pots and traditionally hide this treasure at the end of a rainbow. Hmm. I was just watching the Always Sunny episode yeah. where Charlie just <laughs> captures a little get- man. Yeah. Thinks he's a leprechaun. He's drinking paint. <laughs> drinking paint. <laughs> and then Max with him, and he's like, oh, it's not a metaphor. It's at the Rainbow Gay Bar. But I'm going to go alone. You stay here. I go alone. <laughs> and Charlie's like, okay, but you're looking for a pot of gold. Just remember that. <laughs> oh, my God. Good stuff. But anyways, um, they are known to possess and hoard their prize pots and traditionally hide this in the rainbow. This means that humans need to catch them in order to find this fortune, as it is impossible <laughs> to actually locate the end of the natural phenomenon. Basically, it's whatever. Yeah. It's, it's um, I do need to take a little bit of a break. Yeah, let's do it. Anyways, leprechauns, they got a pot of gold, there's a rainbow, and they're green, and they, they, they'll they kill you. <laughs> one of the... I feel like in one of the leprechaun movies, a guy ate Lucky Charms, and then Warwick Davis as the leprechaun. Me Lucky Charms! And he, 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 he gutted him. He killed him. Murdered I mean, you him. can't resist doing that. <laughs> Anyways... <laughs> I think that's enough of that. So I heard you have some stories. I do have some stories. No, I. This maybe is not like. Uh, By the way, this episode's gonna be weirdly edited. Yeah, it is. Uh, I know that. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the time there, subtract about half an hour from that. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's where we're at. Um, so I have a story here, and it's this is an example. I want. I could be telling a story that's more related to actual mythology, and I have a couple of those. Uh, but this is just a folk tale that I really enjoyed reading. Um, Emeraldisle.ie is a website. They have a bunch of stories uh, from Irish folklore and mythology and stuff. Um, and I this, so this is this is just a co- cool example of a story that's just a folk tale that's just fun. This is the story of Hudden Dudden and Donald O'Leary. Hudden Dudden and Donald O'Leary. Donald O'Leary. So it's not a very long story. I'm going to read it for you here. Let's go. Long ago, I'm going to have to resist doing an Irish accent. <laughs> I, <laughs> long ago. <laughs> I don't know if you found this. I was reading these stories last night in my mind. I, I felt like I had to read them in an Irish accent in my head. <laughs> no, no, no one here wants that. Um, no one wants that, no. A long ago in Ireland, although not so long that a white oak might not remember. There lived in County Roscommon a farmer by the name of Donald O'Leary. Now, Donald was known far and wide as a crafty fellow, or cute as we say in Ireland, and as a skilled hand with the cards to boot. But he made one mistake. He played cards with the two farmers who lived on either side of him and won half their land. In those days, a bet was a bet, and people kept their word, but the two farmers who named, whose names were Hudden and Dudden were furious and plotted to kill Donal as he slept. 
So one dark night, not long after that fateful game, Hudden and Dudden crept into the farm and up the old stone staircase into the big bedroom where they strangled the person they found asleep. Unfortunately for their scheme, little did they know that Donald's habit was to sleep in the barn and they accidentally strangled his poor old mother. Well, Donald was distraught and beside himself the next morning, but not knowing much of the ways of murder, he thought that she had passed away naturally. He was bringing her down to the graveyard when a fierce thirst came upon him, so he propped her up beside the well and went to the nearby house for a taste of water. They had none handy, so he sent the little girl down to the well to fill a jug. Thinking on his feet, Donald told the girl to shake his mother in case she had fallen asleep. (laughs) But when she did, what happened but his mother's body toppled over and fell into the well. Oh, wow. (laughs) Very, very dead. Mm Mm-hmm. Falling into a well. <laughs> Donald feigned great outrage and said he was going to the constabulary, but the father of the house told him that he would pay a hundred pounds to bury his mother themselves. So Donald took the money and went on his way. On the way back, who should he run into but the very same Hudden and Dudden? And he boasted that he had been paid a hundred pounds for the body of his mother, which he had spent on a great bag of snuff tobacco. <laughs> The two looked at each other and raised back to their own farms, where they promptly killed their own mothers. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, excuse me. Yeah, this is why I'm. This is a traditional Irish folktale. I don't know the origins of the story. They kill their mothers for a bag of tobacco. I don't know the origins of the story, but it's an older. It's it's a folktale though. Uh, The two looked at each other. May I? You may, yes, okay. please. Uh, open in one of those uh, left-hand brewing stouts Woo! there. Mm. Uh, I got to say, it's a good stout, but I do actually prefer Guinness. Okay. I always prefer Guinness. Yeah. Any situation, I prefer it. Uh, Maybe the, not in a hot summer. <laughs> yeah. But. The two looked at each other and raced back to their own farms, where they promptly killed their own mothers and dragged the bodies into town, propping them up and pro- uh, proclaiming, who will buy the bodies of these old women for a hundred pounds so that we can buy snuff? <laughs> uh, snuff or stuff? Snuff. I, uh, snuff. Tobacco snuff. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, Not snuff film. Yeah. Uh, they were quickly collared by the police, <laughs> but made a great struggle and escaped. For although they were not the brightest of candles, they weren't short of brawn. Even now, even angrier. That night they went again to the Fighting o- Irish. Yeah. They went again that night again to the O'Leary farm and killed his cattle. Go Celtics, by the way, this uh, basketball season. No, fuck the Celtics. Hey, what the fuck? Lakers. Man? Lakers. Oh, yeah, he's an L.A. guy. <laughs> the Celtics are my mortal enemies. <laughs> true. If you're a Lakers fan, they are. My dad once <laughs> told true. me. My dad once told me. He said he would rather see the Lakers not make it to the playoffs and the Celtics make it all the way to the to the finals and then lose. <laughs> wow, that's petty. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's a core memory of mine. <laughs> um, Any Celtics fans out there, you can tell Colton where to put his uh, put his opinions. Now even angrier, that night they went again to the O'Leary farm and killed all his cattle, having taken up the residence. In the now empty bed in the big room, Donald didn't hear a thing, 
and was terribly upset to find all of his cattle dead in the morning. Not to be undone, mm. he got an old cowhide and stitched little pockets on the inside, filling them with golden coins, and then went to a commonly trodden path. There he hung the hide from a tree branch and began beating it, letting all the coins fall like golden rain. A wealthy fellow who lived nearby was passing, and he asked Donald how much he would take for this golden hide. Not a penny less than a thousand pounds, said the bold Donald, and the thousand pounds he got. Back he, so he convinced the rich guy that the, the hide produces golden point coins. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, back he went, whistling a tune, and who should he meet along the road but the very same pair again, Hudden and Dudden. He tipped them in a wink and a sly smile that, and boasted that he had just sold a cowhide for a thousand pounds, and the rich man had begged him for it in the end. Well, not to miss a trick, Hudden and Dudden went home as quick as they could and killed and skinned their own cows. They took their hides out to the pathway and started beating them and shouting, but the rich man had since discovered the deception and got a good group of his bully boys and farm lowers to violently beat the pair. <laughs> there we go. That's an Irish tale. <laughs> yeah. I knew it. <laughs> Having had enough, aching with bruises and now short a few teeth, Hudden and Dudden decided they would be done with O'Leary once and for all. So th they said that drowning him in the well would be a fitting end. Damn. They hastened to his house without, w without waiting for the night to fall and swept a great bag over his head, dragging him towards the well. Along the way, for it was a hot day, they stepped into another public house for a quick pint. Of course, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so they're dragging a guy to drown him in the well, and they're like, let's take a break. Let's, get, <laughs> let's go have a pint. You want to grab a pint real quick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that's an Irish tale uh, <laughs> uh, for a quick pint murdering is thirsty work they left Donald in the bag outside and who should come along but the local shepherd okay, I have a, with I, two dozen sheep I have a little bit of a tangent here okay go for it I don't think it's going to count as a tangent point but don't it's worry, a tangent. we already took a shot it's a tangent nonetheless it's, okay. it's, it's a tangent nonetheless um, whatever you tell your mates hey you want to go have a couple pints a quick pint it always ends up being like an all-nighter thing right yeah. i mean yeah. usually typically unless you're a reasonable person but you're there for at least as a general rule twice as long as you and as you uh, plan at least twice there. as long as you plan on me yeah. but you might end up being there until <laughs> you might close out the bar yeah which we have done we've done that there's yeah. been times <laughs> where you're like hey you want to just get a couple pints and i'm like sure i just got off work and then, then we <laughs> and then we close out the bar. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that thinking Jabo specifically. Yep. Yep. Dustin yep. bartending and all that. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> so Good the time. shepherd with two she uh, two dozen sheep, noticing the wriggling bag, the shepherd asked what was the matter, to which Donald replied mournfully, "I'm going to heaven, you see." <laughs> so the shepherd notices a bag with a person obviously inside and says, "What's wrong?" <laughs> As you would. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that's reasonable. Uh, but he doesn't untie it. He just, what's wrong? <laughs> the shepherd fell to his knees and asked if he could too. And Donald said he could if he let him out of the sack and gave him, to, and gave him the sheep. Agreeing to the terms, the shepherd went away happy. And Donald went away 
many many the sheep richer, leaving only the sh- only one sheep behind him in the bag. So basically, the he says, "I'm going to heaven," and the sheep the shepherd says, "Can I too?" And he says, um, "If you give me all your sheep and let me out of the bag, you can too go to heaven." <laughs> um, Hudden and Dunnan staggered out three sheets to the one to the wind and dragged the bag to the well where they unceremoniously dropped it over the edge, listening to the deep splash and it made with satisfaction. Certain of a job well done, they went on their way home when they happened to pass the uh, Donald's farm, complete with Donald counting his sheep in the field. Dumbfounded, they looked at, w- at one another and gulped, asking where the he had gotten the sheep. He told them it was at the bottom of the well where he met a man with sheep and cattle and that this man said he could pick the best of them. The pair started fighting each other to see who could go down the well first, but Hudden landed a swift right hook <laughs> and belted Don Dudden off his feet before leaping headfirst into the well. He sank into the deep waters. Bubbly, bubbles arose bearing indistinct words. Dead. And Donald look at, looked at O'Leary asking what he was saying. Hurry up and give me a hand with them, said Donald, and Dudden leaped to his doom right after Hudden. And that was that. That was that. (laughs) (laughs) I like like that story a lot. Yeah. So basically, (laughs) sum it up. Two drunk Irishmen kill their mates so they can get more drunk. Yeah, they 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 and, they don't like this. Gold. They don't like this guy. He, they don't like him. He keeps having good luck, and then and then they keep getting fooled by that, um, and ended up dying. And everyone ends up dying. Yeah, well, except for Donald O'Leary, he doesn't die. He, he doesn't. He ends up with uh, a bunch of sheep. Good for him. Yeah, he's an Irish shepherd. Have you ever seen? I, I saw this like news interview with an Irish shepherd in Ireland that spoke like traditional. Gaelic, yeah, but he was speaking English. Mm-hmm. Could not understand him whatsoever. Yeah, I don't know you what you would call it in Ireland. In Scotland, because uh, I'm a little bit more familiar with Scotland, um, they speak what's called Scots, which is it's technically English, but it's English if you were to say that like what people in the Appalachian Mountains spoke is English, right? Um, <laughs> uh, it's. Like to the point of they have translations of things well, no, into it's Scots. Interesting how like just um, one language can have several different dialects, if not thousands of different dialects. Yeah, I'd recommend, and I'm not going to pull up any right now because this is Scottish, not Irish. I recommend if you want a good example of Scots to look up Robert Burns. He's the national poet of Scotland. Mm-hmm. And he's well known for, and he wrote Auld Lang Syne. That's his. Oh song. wow! Yeah, um, the New Year's one. Yeah, wow. Said all nice. the acquaintance be. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he wrote that. Uh, he wrote a bunch of songs, but he was also a poet. He wrote a bunch of poems too, uh, and he's really famous for. Uh, and they have a national holiday for him, uh, Burns Night. It's in January, I think. That's a big Scottish holiday. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, he was famous for writing in Scots. Um, and if you look up, it's really entertaining because if you look up, um. If you were to look up his poems, if you read them out loud, you couldn't, you would not be able to help but <laughs> sound like you were speaking in a Scottish accent <laughs> because of just the dialect. 
that he's right. writing in, and it's spelled that way and everything. And it's even more entertaining to see that a lot of online websites have translations <laughs> of his poems. That's great. They'll have his poem and then in a regular English version of his poem. Um, because Scots, it's 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 fun. Uh, of course, and, yeah. And I know in Ireland they have dialects that are the equivalent. I just, I'm not as familiar with them. Yeah, if you look up a video, basically just Irish farmer, Irish shepherd on news uh, interview. Uh, very fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to attempt um, to replicate it. I'm going to switch things up a little bit here. Sweet. So if you've been list, if you're a listener, if you've been listening for a long time now, a while now, you know that we have our SCP episodes. Ooh, yeah. And Some of my we favorites. have our Halloween one. We have our regular one. And we have our Christmas one. Christmas SCP. I enjoyed the I enjoy all those um, episodes. And we'll keep doing more of those because it's they're fun. And it's easy. We have a good time. <laughs> it's easy. No. There's always content there. Um well, I have an Irish SCP. Oh, yeah. Excited and for this. this is going to be, if you're listening to this, if you never listen to one of our SCP episodes, this is going to be a little, just a little teaser, a little appetizer of our SCP episodes, okay? Yeah. This is going to be how it goes. <laughs> um, I'm not going to explain it any more than that either. I'm just going to read it. Just go for it. The no. way that I usually would. Jump into it. SCP-4552. Object class, safe. Special containment procedures. SCP-4552 is to be surrounded by a chain link fence two meters high and watched by at least two armed guards at all times. Test subjects assigned to SCP-4552 have authorization for access, but must notify the site director before accessing 4552 and must record all activity related to it. Civilians visiting the area are permitted to take pictures of the site, but trespassing the chain link fence is strictly prohibited. No imagery of the foundation is to be kept on the site, as the public may take note of the foundation's existence. All personnel assigned to SCP-4552 must be wearing an official Irish Army uniform, as opposed to the standard security officer uniform. So they obviously want to keep it secret. Secret. They want to keep that veil of ignorance. You know. Description: SCP-4552 is the remains of a sandstone castle located 12 kilometers from Dingle County, Kerry, Ireland. The site is officially recognized as the Menard Castle by the Republic of Ireland. Ruins consist of a rectangular tower house constructed from roughly dressed sandstone blocks secured by a strong adhesive. All four corners of the castle's base were blown off during a sage, siege led by Oliver Cromwell, mm-hmm. former Lord Protector of the British Commonwealth. All occupants of the castle were either killed or forced to retreat, leaving the site in a state of disrepair. The lives of those that inhabited castle remain mostly undiscovered to the foundation and local historical societies, other than four diary entries, SCP-4552-01 through 4552-04, written by a domestic servant who had previously helped maintain the premises. 
Any personnel who enters the tower house of SCP-4582 will begin to hallucinate a dense fog, cutting them off from the outside world. The voice of a deceased loved one or comfort... Um, wait, wait, wait. Voice of deceased loved one will then call out to them, then attempting... Oh, selfie. <laughs> um whoa, whoa, whoa. okay call out to them then attempting to apologize or comfort the subject if the subject hasn't lost an acquaintance in the course of the lifetime no hallucination will occur a vision of the loved one will approach with the subject often placing the hand of their soldier on their shoulder and embracing them individual can interact with and speak to the vision approximately for one minute after which a vision and fog will fade. Before the hallucination ends, it will always be delivered the following verse. Allies have come and gone. Some leave with, with or without notice. Others remain in the world behind me. We are the same. Too mournful of the past, too terrified of the future. Welcome to my sandstone hell. Hmm. Um, note. These hallucinations will not activate if two or more personnel of SCP-4552 at the time. Additionally, those who do not enter the tower house are unable to hear or see the hallucinations, but can still hear the subject within SCP-4552. Addendum 4552-1. Following diary entries were recovered from 4552, found the um, partially rotted chest within the castle cellar. They have been translated from a form of Munster Irish to English. 4552-1. Access granted. Tomorrow's the day. I've been meaning to tell Leonard how I've felt about him for a while now. He's got to say yes, right? Who else he could possibly be interested in? Oh, how I wish we could run away from this cold prison. Imagine our kids. Imagine our cute little garden growing the finest herbs in all of Munster. What a happy day that will be. Two puffins raising their happy little cheeks. Chicks. <laughs> uh, mistress returned home today, but Master still seems so on edge. I don't have time to worry about them. Much too happy to bury myself in this attitude. From the burrow you rise, dressed in black of desire, dressed in black, dressed in white of innocence. Your beak is the mighty sword that will free us both from our the sandstone hell. Next entry, Hannah, Hannah of all people. I didn't mind her much too interesting until I started my life here, but really funny, I suppose. Hannah was supposed to be our kid's name. Why must you take everything from me? Orana. Last entry. We have been told that Lord Cromwell's army is on the way and that everyone on the estate must hold their ground. Hannah's gone. I don't care anymore. Death comes too soon. Or maybe to some, not soon enough. Let us leave this war behind. Come along, Leonard. I've had enough of our sandstone hell. Aranea. Denim 4552-2. Following test logs involving SCP-4552 were documented on April 29, 2018. In each test, a D-class personnel who has lost at least one acquaintance during a lifetime was told to enter SCP-4552 and report any encounters with hallucinations. After a test, 
All six subjects were offered a Class A traumatic amnestic therapy. All subjects declined. Test 1. Subject D2457. Relation wife. Hallucination. Don't let me drag you down like this. It's alright. I understand. Just be happy for both of us, okay? Test 2. D2458. Relation daughter. Why are you crying, daddy? Where's mommy? I don't understand. Test 3. Subject. D-Class 2467. Relation father. Hallucination. How's Cassie? Don't tell me she choked on the goldfish again. Good to see you, champ. Come, I believe we have some time together now. Test 4, D205558. Relation, sister. Long time no see, don't worry. You'll be with me and mom soon enough. Uh, that wasn't meant to be a threat or anything. Test 5, subject. D2502. Relation, father. Hallucination. It's been a while, hasn't it? Move along now. The living aren't done with you yet. <laughs> Note, the verse repeated at the end of the hallucination was spoken in Mandarin as opposed to the English. Mm. Mandarin is the subject's first language. Test six, subject. <laughs> now, this is classic SCP talk here. Yeah. Subject, redacted. <laughs> Relation, redacted. <laughs> hallucination. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. Get away from me. Huh. And there's the remains of the castle grounds in Ireland. Nice. So so it's a, a castle grounds that where everyone who goes experiences some sort of hallucination. Yeah, yeah they experience hallucinations and visions of a past loved one or acquaintance. Hmm. Okay. And they tell them stuff. That's pretty much it. <laughs> That's why it's classified as safe, right? Exactly, it's safe because yeah. it doesn't really because it's not do get... anything beyond that. Yeah. If be, you want to start a story, go for be it. Be careful if you're in Ireland. Yeah, be oh. careful. Um, start a story, okay? If you have one, you have one. I do have one. Uh, I have to go take another pee. Yeah, but All you right. you you go. I'm gonna start the story. This is this is so this story is not technically uh, Irish, Scottish, but. I, so I was inspired a bit by uh, this idea of this episode from um, uh, a, a YouTuber, Fandebi Dosi. He's a Scottish YouTuber, and he does um, Scottish Highlander historical bushcraft and survival and things like that. But he also does, every once in a while, Scottish uh, mythology and folklore, and he tells some stories. And this is um, a story he told on his uh, YouTube channel which I found is kind of a bit of the inspiration for this episode of let's tell some stories. Um, and Scotland is obviously not Ireland, but uh, I thought it would be uh, close enough in it shares. There's, there's enough that's shared culturally that um, I thought it would be appropriate to include a Scottish folktale as well. And I, my family is more Scottish than we are Irish, even though we are American and not truly either, but, uh, this is called uh, the Selkie Bride. Selkie is a uh, a creature in Scottish folklore, and it's uh, shared with Norse folklore. And um, it, there's some connections, possibly, between the Selkie 
And uh, the mermaids in Irish folklore, um, there's possibly some connections there. So, long ago, on a wild Scottish coast, a fisherman spent all day at sea, but he only caught a very few small fish. As the sun began to set, the fisherman still had only a meager catch, but when night fell, he rode to shore and beached his little boat. As he walked towards his little cottage across the pebbly beach, he heard beautiful voices singing sweet, high, lyrical, and lovely tunes, a song more beautiful than any man had ever heard. He turned towards the sound and saw what a few had ever seen. There, near the water, a dozen selkie people were laughing and playing and singing. The fisherman could hardly believe his eyes. Few ever saw the, selk- the seal folk, who now then cast aside their skins and took on human for- forms to play on shore. The fisherman stood and stared, but when the selkie people noticed him, they dived quickly into the sea, and slipping beneath the rolling waves, they disappeared. I must be dreaming, said the fisherman aloud. And again he turned towards his cottage, but something nagged at him. He turned again, and this time he noticed something sleek and shiny lying on a rock. He walked closer, and he saw it was a seal skin. No one will ever believe I've seen selkies unless I show them this, he said. So he leaned over and picked up a seal skin and slung it over his shoulder. As he walked, he whistled and then suddenly stopped. My, what a fine penny I'll earn by selling this. And just as he said this, he heard footsteps close behind him. And fearing a thief, he quickly turned to look. Now there was no thief behind him. No, indeed, it was an exquisitely beautiful young woman standing there. And she was weeping so hard, it nearly caused the fisherman's heart to break. Beautiful lady, why do you weep? She sniffed and looked into his eyes. Kind sir, she said, choking back tears. You have my sealskin. Kindly give it back, for I belong to the Selkies, and I cannot live under the water without my skin. The fisherman could not stop staring. You see, he had fallen in love at first sight, and because he was a young man and terribly headstrong, he thought he must keep her with him. He clutched the sealskin to his chest, pressing it to his pounding heart. Dear lady, he said gently, be my wife, for I have fallen madly in love with you. And without your sealskin, you'll have to live on land, and I'll make you happy, I promise. Please, sir, she cried. My folk will be so worried, I must go home, and I can never be happy on land. But the young man was stubborn. He was that way. So he smiled and sweetly as he could and bowed his head and bent down on one knee. Dear woman, my cottage is a cozy place. I'll keep you warm by the fire, and I'll feed you plentifully all the fresh fish you could ever want to eat. I promise you will live a happy life on land as my bride. The young woman felt helpless without her skin. I fear I must go home with you until you return my skin, she said, and saying this, he took her hand and led her to his home. For many weeks, the fisherman kept the seal skin with him, for he feared his bride-to-be would steal it and slip away. This is just like kidnapping. Um, yeah, I just got back, but yeah, that's what yeah, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but after a while, the, the sweet lady began to settle into this life on land. And when the fisherman saw, she felt happy. He stuffed the skin inside a crevice in the chimney. 
There my girl will never find it, he said to himself. Another month went by, and they married, and time passed very nicely indeed. They led a happy life, for the fisherman was stubborn, and he was also kind and generous. 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 Uh, He truly loved his wife and always worked hard to make her happy. After a while, the selkie woman grew to love her stubborn husband, and sometimes she would sing to him. Those nights, was, he was the happiest man in the world. As the years passed, the couple had seven children, and the sulky woman loved these lads and lassies with all her heart. Most of them, most of the time, the family was very happy, though every once in a while the children would find their mother at the, on the beach, gazing wistfully out to the sea. They would circle her and ask, Mother, why do you look so sad? And she would shake her head and kiss their foreheads, Never you mind, she told her children. I've only been dreaming so too long. One day, the fishermen and the three eldest children went out in their boat to catch fish. The next three children walked to the village to buy some bread and milk, and their mother and her youngest son stayed home alone. Now the mother looked out the window and watched the waves crashing on shore. Far in the distance, she noticed on the slick black rocks a band of seals playing and barking. She sighed deeply, and her eyes filled with tears. Her youngest son ran to her side. Mother, what's wrong? he asked. When, whenever you look out to the sea, you grow so sad. Without thinking, she turned and said, I'm sad because I was bored in the sea. It's the home to which I can never return because your father hid my sealskin. Now the boy, like all children in Scotland, had heard the tales of Selkie folk, so right away he knew what his mother was, must be, and he ran to the fireplace and reached up and pulled the sealskin from its hiding place and held it out to his mother. How did you find it? she asked, astonished at the sight of her skin. One day I was alone with father, said the boy, and he took this from its hiding place and stared at it. I knew it was special, and now I understand what it is. The woman embraced the sealskin, and she reached for her child and embraced him. My darling, she whispered, I will always love you. And then clasping the sealskin to her heart, she ran outside down to the sea. She slipped into her skin and dived into the bracing water. Soon after that moment, when they were heading home, the fisherman and his children rode past this group of seals. As they passed, the fisherman noticed a selkie young seal uh, gazing at the boat, a strange expression on her face. And just as they were motoring out of sight, he heard the seal cry, a plaintive sound, and then she disappeared underwater. When the fisherman arrived home, he learned what had happened, and he felt his heart breaking in two. But he understood his son, a loving boy. He was braver than more generous than the fisherman had ever been. Forever afterwards, the fisherman and the children missed the selkie woman, but knowing she was happy in the world where she belonged gave him a measure of joy. There's another version of that story that I've heard where instead of the fisherman basically tricking the woman into becoming his wife and hiding the skin. It's the version is that he, angry with catching no fish, finds a baby seal and beats it to death. And then he finds a woman at her at his doorstep. That's no good. Yeah, and then he finds a woman at her doorstep, and he takes her in, and she becomes his wife, and then a, and they have a daughter. And after many years, he comes to the shore and sees his do- the the woman leading his daughter into the into the uh, sea where she drowns 
And he yells out to her and says, what are you doing? And she says, you took my child, so I'm taking yours. So that's wow. a happy... The version I read there is a much happier... St- it is. Still <laughs> kind of disturbing about the whole, like, Stockholm Syndrome, like, uh, not, not quite yeah. Stockholm Syndrome, but the um, forcing her to be his wife. That's a little fucked up, uh, to put it lightly. Uh, but it's a slightly happier version of the story. Um <laughs> but that's a Scottish folktale. I thought I would tell it. It's kind of, I mentioned while you were uh, taking a break there um, before you came back. Um, one of the ideas where I got the idea for the episode of telling stories is from a, a YouTuber, Van Debbie Dozy. He's a Scottish uh, YouTuber who does Scottish Highlander historical survival and bushcraft and stuff like that. So he, nice. Um, and sometimes he does videos about folklore, and he told some stories, and I thought that would be a neat idea to tell some stories. Yeah. Um, I would also recommend the Exploring series. We've talked about it a little bit oh, yeah. before. He does a lot of SCP episodes now. That's like his main thing now. But he's done a lot of mythologies, and he's done a lot of Celtic mythology. And um, I would like to talk about he has many names. Uh, originally, Finn McCumhill or Fionn McCool. You continue. Uh, take a quick break. name is Finn McCool. Irish mythology hero and giant slash giant. Um, his most famous story is the creation of the Giant's Causeway. And this is. I would love to visit it someday. It's beautiful, just from the pictures. This amazing geological formation of these rectangular rocks. Um, Giant's Causeway is known around the world, comprising of over 40,000 interlocking basalt columns. There are countless myths and legends surrounding the causeway, but what is the real Giant Causeway story? And this is from the Giant's Causeway tour. Dot com. So the myth, and I'm going to get into more Fian McCool uh, myths and legends and stories here, but this is a good one to start with. As legend has it, Northern Ireland was once home to a giant named Finn McCool, also known Fionn McCombhill. Fionn McCombhill, yeah. When another giant, Benedonor, crossed the Irish Sea and Scotland... A Scott giant, of course, threatened Ireland. Finn McCool retaliated by tearing up great chunks of the Antrim coastline and hurling them into the sea. Newly created path to Giant Causeway paved the route for over the sea for Finn to reach Ben and Donner. However, this turns out to be a bad idea as Ben and Donner is a massive giant, much bigger than Finn. In order to save himself, Finn retreats to Ireland and is disguised as a baby by his quick-thinking wife. When then Ben and Donner arrives, sees Finn disguised as a baby and realizes that if a mere baby is that big, the father must be far larger than Ben and Donner himself. Following this realization, Ben and Donner rushes back to Scotland, tearing away as much of the causeway as he can in his haste to put as much distance between Ireland and himself as possible. And thus, the myth of the Giant's Causeway was born. So basically, Fian McCool 
and the story has different um, variations, but essentially, Finn McCool, a giant in Ireland, was having an argument with Ben and Donner, a giant in Scotland. Ah. <laughs> and Ben and Donner came over, smashed a bunch of rocks, and Finn McCool realized he was too big, turned himself to a baby. And Ben and Donner was like, if a baby's that big, then his father must be even bigger than I am. <laughs> and he ran away and this created the giant's causeway in northern ireland uh, which is this amazing um geological formation as i told the listeners earlier yeah I've of seen. these rectangular columns there's something similar to that in oregon too i remember um caleb showing me one yeah. time <laughs> but um i'd love to visit it and but that's just one of the stories of finn mccool he's one of the greatest heroes of Irish mythology and Celtic mythology. So, and there's a lot of, he may have been real and there's a lot of folk lore made of him. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is from <laughs> aptly named Finn McCool marketing. com. Legend of Finn McCool. Finn McCool are, Originally known as Fionn McCumhell, was a third century warrior chieftain in the medieval Ireland. Led a clan of warriors called the Fianna, and his adventures are documented in the Finian Cycle, which I'd love to check out. I'd love to yeah. His legend extends beyond those historical documents into the myth of the giant's causeway, which I just discussed. Many stories of the Irish myth, adventures, voyages, battles, and gods, which are commonly categorized by historians into four main cycles, one of which is the Finn cycle, also known as the Finnaean cycle. These stories are based around mythological hero Fionn McCool and his warriors of Fianna. Who yeah. were forest dwelling? Just just mentioning uh, the the Finnaean cycle in. In the same way with Norse mythology, where we have the different epics and eddas, mm -hmm. um, same thing with Irish mythology. We have all these um, accounts. Yeah. So there's there's um, I have a list here: is the mythological cycle, the Ulster cycle, the Finnaean cycle, and the historical cycle. Those are the and this the, is the Fian. Yeah, and then those are the main ones. And then there's obviously a bunch of other stories and stuff like that um, related. But um, um, these Fian. Uh, Finnaean tales were said to be uh, written by poems by Finn McCool's son, Osen, and retold by the Irish people for generations. So the boyhood, boyhood deeds of Fionn documents Finn McCool's childhood. Fionn's mother was a... Excuse me. <laughs> so in kind of the same way that like in Norse mythology, you have like characters like Ragnar Lothbrok. Ragnar Lothbrok. A lot Beowulf. of people think probably existed. Yeah. But we don't actually have a lot of evidence that, like, the stories are real. There's a lot of folktales. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Fionn's mother was uh, Marianne McCam, also known as Marine. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. I'm trying. His maternal grandfather was Tag McNudat, a Druid who lived in the hill of Almu. He had foreseen her marriage would result in losing his home, so spurned by a potential suitor. This forced Cumhale, the leader of the feared Fianna warriors who had fallen in love, to abduct her. Outraged at this, Tug 
appealed for help at the High King of Ireland, Con of the Hundred Battles. Con agreed and forbade, forbade this relationship, sending his troops after the newly outlawed Cumhale. The armies of Con and Cumhale met at the Battle of Canucha, and Calf Canucha Cumhale was slain by Gaul Mac Morna. Maureen, uh, Finn McCool's mother, uh, had returned to her father by King Con and was discovered to be pregnant. Outraged and shamed, her father rejected her and ordered his followers to burn her. Khan rejected, Khan interjected and instead sent her to the Druidess Bommadal, who was Kumhel's sister, and to the protection of husband Fionn Makuhushin. Trying. <laughs> <laughs> um. Marine gave Irish s- names are hard. They are hard. Yeah. hard yeah. <laughs> Marion gave birth to a son called Diamne. It was evident that the boy's father, Cumhal, still had enemies, so with a heavy heart, she left her son with Bamerhal Bethlion, a small village in. I'm not going to try to pronounce that. That's really. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Fionn was bought by two foster mothers in secret, Bamal and her companion, Leif Lekra, who were known as great warriors. They hid the boy in the forest and taught him how to be a great warrior and joined him on several adventures. Word of young Fionn's adventures was beginning to spread, and his foster parents were worried his father's enemies would soon find him so confident they had taught him all they could. They sent him to the service of local kings to work, but each time he would be recognized of Cumhel's son. In fear of being unable to protect him, he was forced to move away yet again. It seems the nomadic lifestyle brought him south to West Court to serve the King of Bantry. Finn the Fair, the village of Balfrin, is known as the Town of Fionn, the fair slash white town. Virgin's stories say his name changed either to protect him or a nickname from which his hair went white. Legend says he was a be- uh, he found a beautiful young lady sobbing in the edge of Kaligabira Lake on the slopes of the summit of Salive Galleon. She told him she had dropped her golden ring to Deep Lake. Diamne dived in and retrieved it and returned it to find he was tricked by the old lady hag Kaligabira. As he returned to the shore, he had become an old man. And on his return to the village, he only trusted the hounds recognized him. The Fianna forced the witch to return his youth, but it is said his hair remained white for the rest of his life, as he did not um, lead the Fianna until adulthood after defeating Alien. This would mean the name would change uh, would have been after leaving Laos. The Salmon of Knowledge. Salmon. Salmon. Salmon without the L. You follow that meme page? Pretty good. (laughs) Anyways. The most famous story of young Fionn was met when he uh, met the druid and poet Phinegas near the river Bonia, which is northeast of Bolivian. It is said young uh, Diemne studied under him, so he would be likely been after leaving the Salivi Blue Mountains before heading south to the court. The Druid 
Druid uh, Fanegas had spent seven years trying to catch the salmon of knowledge, which inhabited in a pool of the River Bionye. It was foretold that whoever ate the salmon would gain all the knowledge in the world. Game through the fish's diet of holy tree hazelnuts. With Finn's help, the fish was finally caught and the boy was tasked with cooking it. While doing so, Damne burnt the, his, burnt the thumb on the fish and put his mouth to soothe the pain. Instantly, Finn was given the salmon's wisdom and Finnegas saw this. He gave Fionn the rest of the salmon to eat. This knowledge guided Finn, Fionn, or Finn on how to gain revenge against Gold for killing his father. In later stories, it said he could call on the salmon's knowledge by sucking his thumb. Hmm. Um, here's another one. Lanthar- Man, these are hard to pronounce, but it's, yeah. it's cool stuff. Lanthlukra <laughs> and the Treasure of Cumhill. Not to be confused with Damne's foster mother of the same name, Lanthlukra of Cunyat was a member of the Fianna and Clan Morna. He was Fianna's official treasure and struck the first blow on Cumhill when he died. Perhaps he knew value of Cumhill's uh, Corabolg, crane skin bag magical weapons but after the battle he had possession of the treasure which he which he <laughs> which must have been magic as a tiny bag could have not held all the weapons otherwise hmm. so it's one of those harry potter bags um tales of finn mccool found another mother crying over a slain young warrior called glonda and seeks to avenge him after easily killing Lyth, he obtains his father's bag and is able to turn the treasure to Fiona. Um, there's a lot of stories here. But yeah, the most famous I talked about was the Creation of the Giants Causeway. Yeah. Which fought the Scott Giant. Um, <laughs> Those fucking Scots. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> but um, I could keep on yeah, going. Yeah, Chris. But you, pr- you probably don't want me to keep going <laughs> because I am feeling it now. Yeah. Um, You've had a couple more than me. Let's, <laughs> we'll get some food soon. Let's see what else we got. <laughs> Do you have anything else? I have one more thing, but I don't think we have time to get to it. Because uh, what is it? So it's called the Piper and the Puka, and Piper it's a and story. Um, actually, that one's not too long. Um, yeah, that one's not too long. I could read that one. I have a couple more, but they're kind of long. Um, Let's do one more. All right. So I guess we'll read this: the Piper and the Puka. So a Puka is um, a creature. Uh, I guess it's related to the Fae. Uh, in Irish mythology, and it's a, like a trickster being that takes okay. on the form of either of an animal, okay, or of a human with animal features. A furry, yeah. <laughs> um, like I said, it's more like a trickster. It doesn't harm you directly. Mm. Um, like a troll, yeah. So. So this story is called The Piper and the Puka. Um, it goes like this. Let's go. A long time ago. In, in count- the galaxy far, far away. In, gal- in, in County Galway. <laughs> All right. Close enough. Close enough, yeah. 
uh, on the west coast of Ireland, there lived a boy who played the pipes. To be precise, he could play exactly one tune on the pipes, which was the Black Rogue. He played it often enough and earned good money for his single song. One night, he had been performing at a gentleman's party and was returning home in jolly spirits. As Talk he, about a one-hit wonder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As he crossed an old stone bridge, slightly swaying from side to side, and piping his one and only tune, a puka came up from behind him. Now, in case you don't know, the puka is a creature that lives in the countryside of Ireland. It can easily Thank shift you, its shape. That. Sometimes the puka might look like a horse or a goat or a goblin. In this case. What? Yeah. The puka could look like a horse or a a goat. Or a goblin. Or just a goblin. Uh, those are just <laughs> examples of what it could look like. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's not the only three it can do. No, yeah. It says... Sometime. Okay. Uh, in this case, it walked on two legs and it had horns on its head. Renrock's blood is on your hands. <laughs> Sorry, I've been oh playing words. Um, he gave the Piper Boy... Such a hard shove in the back that he fell right over, landing on his pipes and squeezed all the air out of the bag that it made it sound like a cat. The boy Meow. had fighting spirit in him. He was soon back on his feet and he grabbed the fairy creature by the horns. The puka, however, had the strength of the supernatural and he easily picked the lad up and placed him on the side of the bridge. Any more trouble from you and your bagpipes will be swimming in the river, he snarled. Now stand up and play... Sean Van Jacques for me. I would gladly, but I don't know the notes, said the boy. Put the wind in your pipes and I'll put the notes in your head, replied the puka. The boy blew all his might and played the jig so that he wondered at his own skill. Musha, you're a fine musical teacher, said the boy. How come you're so keen to teach me new tunes? Tonight there's a feast at the house of the Banshees, said the puka. And you shall play for them. Now the puka transformed himself into a horse, and the boy had little choice. He climbed onto its back. The puka dashed over the hills through the bogs. Finally, they clattered down a road uh, to the gates of a grand country house. The puka knocked three times on the door with his hoof, and it opened by itself. They clip-clopped through into the grand dining room. Here the raxious Cackling, shrieking, and chattering of a hundred old women filled the air of the rafters. The banshees were in the midst of a magnificent feast. One of them stood up, raised a goblet of wine to the new arrivals. Welcome, Puka, she called out. Who have you brought us riding on your back? The Puka replied, the finest piper in Ireland. Then the piper boy stood on a chair, blew into his pipes, and played jigs and reels, waltzes and polkas. The old ladies all took to the floor and danced in a frenzy until the first morning light kissed the window panes. The puka called out, Time to pay the piper for his tunes. And each of the ladies threw him a gold coin into the musician's cap. The boy's eyes boggled. By the tooth of St. Patrick, he declared, I'm as rich as a lord. Before he left, there was one more surprise in store for him. A goose came into the dining hall and started to clear up the tables. I know that goose, said the boy. I took her from Father Mulligan's garden last Christmas. I swear my mother and my sister ate her all, except for the one wing I gave to my Mary to Mary next door. And then she told the priest that it was I who had stolen the bird. 
Fortunately, neither the Puka or the Banshees held poor opinion of the lad who stole birds for his mother's table. The boy mounted the Puka once again, and they rushed back to the bridge where they had met. From there, he returned on home on foot. Mother, he cried out as he came to the door. I've just come home from the house of the Banshees. The Puka carried me there on his back and returned me safely to the stone bridge just ten minutes ago. Musha, you've been at the whiskey, claimed the good lady. <laughs> I've not had a drop, insisted the boy, <laughs> and he took out his purse and emptied the gold coins on the table. There, he said, see the proof, I'm as rich as a lord. But his mother said, dear me, you've had, a, you've had more than a drop. <laughs> For they were not gold coins that spilled out of the boy's purse, but acorns. Fairy magic, oh, declared the boy. But you'll believe my story when you hear my skill at the pipes. He blew into his pipes. At first, he made a sound like all the geese in Ireland were screeching all at one time. That's no good. That's no good. <laughs> he woke the neighbors who came first to complain and then to mock him. But gradually, the boy's pipes came into tune and he started oh. to play marvelous music. Nice. Later that day, he went to Father Mulligan's and told him, told him the story. Yeah, you're nothing but a thief and a liar, scolded the prief, priest. But when he heard the boy played the pipe so wondrously well, even the priest wondered if there was some truth in the tale. And so long as he lived, the boy was the finest piper in all of Ireland. And, then the, and that was the story of the piper and the puka. So what's the lesson to be learned here? Uh, just... Go along with weird creatures that meet you on the bridge at night. <laughs> go, go along with weird creatures, pukas that meet you at night, right? Shape-shaping creatures. Except not always, because you sometimes, learn, sometimes they're more they're malevolent, more malevolent yeah. than that. Yeah. You learn a song. You learn a tune on your bagpipes. Fine. Good. Yeah. You think you brought all this gold, but it's really acorns. But you still know the song. Mm-hmm. So is the lesson there that there's... There's more worth in the song than there is gold. Maybe that is the lesson. Yeah. Or maybe the lesson is don't. Don't do that. <laughs> don't listen to a weird random stranger on a bridge in Ireland. This is basically the Irish equivalent of like the Robert <laughs> Johnson tale. Yeah. Soul to soul to soul the to devil soul. at, at crossroads, the crossroads yeah. play guitar. This is the Irish equivalent of that. Yeah. He took a Rode a puka to the Banshee's house and learned to play the bagpipes. And Banshee's, uh, you want to stay clear of Banshee's. Yeah. They're, they're not typically good. Not good. Yeah. In this story, they're okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They don't do anything. That's about it. They're part. Yeah. They're partying. They don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Drunk Irish Banshee, Banshee's. Yeah. Anyway. Well... I don't really have anything. I mean, I, I, I do have some things maybe, but um, been drinking. It's St. Paddy's Day. I think we're running out of time. I, yeah, I would yeah. say we're running out of time. So uh, we will see you next week for another episode of the All Drunk Podcast. Don't yeah. worry about it. Don't even worry. Um, hope you had fun with this one. Um, follow us at Odd Drunk Pod on Instagram. Check out our Facebook page. Give us a... Uh, download or uh, subscribe follow whatever your podcast catcher of choice allows give us yeah one of those things we would love a rating and we would love a review be honest just be real um <laughs> we won't sue you but um yeah we'll see you next week for another revolting episode of law drunk podcast
Or maybe yeah. a great one. I don't know. We'll see. It's random. Yeah. <laughs> we come up with all our episode ideas through a random generator. Yeah, we just... <laughs> and that random one. generator is our drunken brains. Yep. Yeah. We just um, <laughs> but um, anyways, if you're celebrating St. Patty's Day as of listening this episode, or if you have already celebrated St. Patty's Day, yeah. for one, I hope you had a good time. I hope you stayed safe. I hope you didn't drink and drive. Yeah. Drink responsibly. Get an Uber. Get a taxi. Whatever you got to do. Have a DD. Um, because this holiday, yeah, we know a lot of people get drunk right but we we want everyone to stay safe yeah and just drink responsibly be careful yeah you're adults be be safe i hope most of you are adults anyways um if you're under 18 we don't um for one you probably shouldn't be listening to us but if you are listening to us (laughs) and under 18 i hope you're mature and responsible enough to realize hey i am under 18 yeah. I shouldn't do the things that they talk about. I should laugh at them. Yeah, laugh at us. Laugh yeah. at our expense. I'll take it. You know, uh, even if it's not even in a positive fashion, if you laugh at our expense, I'm fine with that. We'll just say, we'll just say, <laughs> if if you're if you're underage, listening to this for some reason, um, be responsible. We're for a youthful s- podcast. Be be responsible. For someone your age, yeah, I'm not going to tell you what that means or what to do. That's what you. That, but, but that's up to you. Be responsible. Yeah, be responsible. Yeah. With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Um. Speaking of which, we are going to do more Spider-Man commentaries. Yep. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see you next week for whatever. We'll get to the Uncle Ben. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uncle av- Ben, where he's avoiding like, saying the line. Yeah, Martin but still Sheen saying where, it. Martin Sheen, where he's like. If you if you have a ability, you have to use that wisely and eat, like, do right. Just really you. avoiding the line, just, but still trying to say. I it. like Martin Sheen though. Yeah, I, I like him. Yeah, I do too. Apocalypse now. <laughs> Marlon Brando. He was racist. He <laughs> also did a lot of re- really good activist stuff. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. Weird it's a guy. weird, weird <laughs> guy. <laughs> weird guy in general. Weird, weird Hollywood guy. <laughs> There's a lot of those. Anyways, we'll see you next week um, for something. This is not a test. I repeat, this is not a test. The Odd Drunk Podcast recommends you follow their Instagram and join their Facebook group for more fun content. To visit all of our current streaming and social media platforms, visit the link tree in the description. If you enjoy the show, we would be appreciated it if you would leave a review on Apple Podcasts. The Odd Drunk Podcast would like to remind you to drink responsibly and not to drink and drive. Okay, Colton, you can roll the outro now.
PBRs yes. PBRs are actually not as bad as I thought. 